Wayne, that was, um, as Dave said, his first time leading up there too. So that's great to see Dave um, participating and giving the gifts and skills and talents that God's given him to bless us. So thank you very much, Dave. Well done, mate. Appreciate that. May that encourage others to uh, also uncover their gift or skill and not necessarily to lead, but you could do many other things we have happening here in exchange. Well, uh, Rog, I'm glad it's you and not me, okay, mate? I don't mind going downhill, but it's the uphill that doesn't sound like much fun at all, does it? You'd rather be at the checkpoint just waiting for someone to come through than do all that stuff anyway. Hope it goes well for you. You can raise lots of money for uh, MAF. It's a, it's a worthy cause. Good stuff. We are continuing on in our series of um, spiritual warfare from Ephesians chapter 6. Picture this with me for a moment. Can you imagine um, a little three-year-old girl and she stands very nervously at the side of the pool. She's got her goggles on and she wants so much to jump in. She's like just wants to jump in, but she's just taken off her floaty vest. She has a whole range of emotions sort of happening within her. She stands on the edge of this pool. She so much wants to jump in, but there's fear there. What will happen when I jump in? There's excitement about maybe doing it for the very first time. All this is happening as this little girl stands on the edge of the pool. Her father, though, stands in the pool and says, Jump! I'll catch you! Jump! Just... Jump, I'll catch you. The little girl moves a little bit closer to the edge and she crouches down and she jumps. What has that father asked his little girl to do at that moment? He's asked his little girl to put her trust in him, hasn't she? I'm going to jump, Dad. You better make sure you catch me. The father's asking the girl to put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. That's what he's telling his little daughter as he he tells her to jump. Faith or trust is so important in gospel living. It's vital in gospel living as we come to Christ and to live out our everyday life. Absolutely vital. We can look at it again today as we think about the shield of faith, as we think about trust and faith. So join with me here in Ephesians chapter 6 as we read through again verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
Uh, Lord, we just thank you again that we can come and gather here today. We thank you again for your word. We thank you that it's uh, true. We thank you that it's living. And we thank you, Lord, that your word comes with your Holy Spirit to breathe life into our hearts uh, with this eternal word. So I pray now, Holy Spirit, you would help us as we explore the shield of faith, as we think about faith, as we think about growing our faith and putting this shield into action or into use in our lives. I pray that you would give us listening ears. Help us now to make an active choice, Lord, to tune in and not zone out. Tune into your word so we would see it do good things in our heart. Uh, Lord, we ask that, we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we pick up another critical element of our battle against Satan and spiritual forces. Uh, perhaps this is the, uh, the deepest part of our ongoing war here against Satan. Uh, this part of the, of the battle is our fight of faith. We're fighting for faith. Uh, we're fighting to believe who Jesus is, uh, what he's done for us, and what he says about living for him. Uh, this perhaps is where the battle rages hardest for us. What do I really believe? Is this Christianity for real? Or am I believing a lie? This is the fight of faith. Our faith or belief is on the line in these situations when the, the battle is like that. Uh, every single person, Every single person, even if you're not a Christian, uses a form of faith every day. Every day. If you're not a Christian, you are still a person of faith. If you get on a bus to go to Melbourne, what are you doing? You're putting your faith in the bus driver and also the bus. That'll get you there. Uh, no difference if you board a plane to go interstate. There's probably more faith required today because you don't actually get to meet the pilot. At least on the bus you walk past and you can say hello to the bus driver. You get on a plane, you don't know who that person is. You're putting your trust and your faith in that pilot to get you to that destination. And no difference if you travel in a car. When you go up the road at 100 kilometres an hour, there's only about a metre and a half of bitumen separating you from the other car coming at 100 kilometres an hour in the opposite direction. You're putting your faith in that driver that they're not going to veer across the road and come onto your side and cause a crash. Perhaps you're an atheist who claims that there is no God and that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Even that person is using faith. They're using faith. He or she, if they're the atheist, are putting their faith or trust in that outcome. They're believing there's nothing the other side of death. So they're putting their trust in that. They're putting their faith in that. So don't ever let them say, I'm not a person of faith. Well, actually you are. You are. Every single person in the world uses faith every day to some extent. There's no escaping that fact. So Paul today, in our Holy Spirit-given collection of armour, takes us to the shield of faith. Kirk's got a shield here. Thanks, Kirk. You can bring it up. Even looks like a bit of a Roman soldier, doesn't he, the way he strides up there? <laughs> Kirk's got a bit of a collection of stuff. So what would you call that one, Kirk? This is a Viking period ram shield um, used... Throughout battlefields, on raids, pillages, and for protection, great for maneuverability. He's got the moves too, hasn't he? As well. <laughs> you may as well look. Yeah, you might as well do the whole thing. Yeah. Now I did check with him. I said, "Did that come from Mum's kitchen? That little steel bowl in the middle?" He said he bought that himself, so it's all right. Wherever Mim is, he hasn't raided from the kitchen. Called a boss. Called a boss. Okay. So I got the boss. Brilliant. So there's a, there's a shield there. The shield we looked at probably, you just call it a scutum? Yes. Um, the Roman centurion shield was called a scutum. 
It did have a similar design to this center grip. Um, different areas, so it's hold like that, or like that, but they were rectangular, standing around that high, and they were curved this way. Okay. So that's mainly for infantry and standing in formation, where you have a bunch of guys doing that, guy next to you, guy beside you, guy behind you, you can do that, Yep. over the top of you, and that is what's called a testudo. Okay, so that can form like one big shield over the whole company. Okay. One of the most effective defensive right. strategies. Skitton was very good at, um, at going with their sword, which is Gladius. Okay. Very short sword. So do that. Have the sword behind the shield. Bring it back. Serve. Right. And Excellent. that conquered most of the world. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the technique for just conquered half the world. Maybe, maybe that could be your next project to build the Skitton for us. Excellent. Thanks. Um, do you want to just sit that up again? Maybe on that... Um, Brilliant. That should stay there. Lovely. Thanks, Kirk. Shield. Shield of faith. Uh, it's a shield that's given to us to extinguish or put out the fiery darts or stinging attacks of Satan. Uh, so to help us today, I want us to approach this passage uh, in, a, in a few different ways. Firstly, we're going to ask ourselves, what is faith? What is faith? Secondly, how do I grow or build my faith? This is what's used, as it were, to absorb or to extinguish these fiery darts. And thirdly, uh, how do we put this shield of faith into action? How am I to use this shield um, that the Holy Spirit gives to us to use? So first, let's look at faith. Paul talks about this shield of faith here. So so simply, the first question is, what is faith? If it's something I use uh, every day in some form, what is faith? How do I define what faith is? In the great faith chapter of the Bible, Hebrews 11, it tells us this in Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In the sense of the bus driver, I'm trusting that the bus driver will deliver me to the right destination. I'm hoping to get to Southern Cross Station. And I'm assured or confident that the driver will deliver me there. I have a confidence or an assurance in the driver, he will deliver me to the Southern Cross Station. The conviction of things not yet seen. I'm not currently at the Southern Cross Station. I'm either at the Shepherd and Train Station, I'm Rupner or Murchison, Talamba, or where it doesn't stop at Talamba anymore, but maybe Murchison. I'm there, but I'm firmly convicted or convinced that I will get to Southern Cross by 2.30 this afternoon, even though I, yet, I, I can't yet see the station physically. It's a conviction within me. I will get down to Southern Cross by 2.30 when the bus is due to arrive there. Faith is this intangible or something I can't touch or see, this inner resolve, this inner assurance or inner confidence or inner conviction or rock-solid belief. I can't sort of show it to you in the sense of here it is like, you know, here it is in this box, I've got my box of faith here. It's not a physical thing to see in that sense, but I can demonstrate my faith to you just like I do when I get on the bus. I'm demonstrating my faith in that driver. I'm, I'm getting on the bus and I'm showing you that I'm putting faith and trust in the driver. I can demonstrate it through my life, but I can't show it to you as a physical thing. It's not a tangible thing uh, that we have. Sometimes you'll hear this about Christianity. Oh, it's just a blind faith you people have got. It's a blind faith. There's nothing in it. Uh, some people may use that, like I said, for, for, for Christians. That's what you do. You just live by this blind faith. And my answer to that is simply, that's just not true about Christians. It's not a blind faith, not at all. 
For faith to exist, it has to operate in these three ways. It has to operate in knowledge and belief and in trust. First, there must be some sort of knowledge about something before you develop any sort of confidence or assurance in its outcome. Back to our bus example again. I can know that the bus driver is licensed. I can know that's some knowledge I can have. He's been trained for driving buses. I can know he's had 10 years experience of driving buses as well. That's something I know about the bus driver. I can know that the bus is designed for carrying passengers. It's got a manufacturer's um, plate there to say it's been approved and passed all the safety requirements. I can know this about the bus. This is something I can know. Secondly, for faith to operate then, I not only know certain things, I need to believe those things. The bus driver can show me his licence, but if I don't believe it, I don't think I'll get on the bus, will I? I've got to believe it. I've got to accept it. I've got to believe that and I've actually got to take that on board. The bus driver's got a licence and I believe that. For faith to work, uh, I've got to believe what I know or am told. Thirdly, for faith to operate, not only do I have to know some things and believe those things, I need to also put my trust in those things. It's knowledge, belief and trust. Yes, I know the driver has a licence and I believe he has a licence, but if I don't get onto that bus, I'm not actually trusting who he is or what he's done. So for faith to really operate, yes, I need to know the driver's got a licence, believe the driver has a licence, believe it as well as know it, and then I commit myself by taking steps and I get on the bus and I go take my seat. I've got to know I've got to believe and I've got to trust. Very critical here for faith. Faith is our knowledge, our belief and our trust. In our wrestle against Satan, our faith isn't a blind faith. Not at all. It's not something I can't sort of see in any way, shape or form. may not see it physically, but it's not a blind faith. Firstly, we have a clear knowledge of of Jesus Christ. We do. The Holy Spirit has given us a very clear understanding of who he is through the Bible. We know Jesus from the Bible. We know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus has done. We know what Jesus has said. And we know what he's going to do for us now and into the future. These are things we know about Jesus Christ, the object of our faith. For our faith, our knowledge has all been laid out very clearly for us in the Bible. Jesus is an objective person. And there's no disputing that fact. You can go back in historical books and Jesus is a real person. We also believe Jesus says who he is. Not only do we know something about Jesus, we believe um, who he says he is. We believe Jesus is the son of God. We believe Jesus is the king of the universe. We believe Jesus did die on a cross. We believe Jesus did rise again from the grave on the third day for our justification. And we believe that we will live with him for eternity. We believe these things. The Apostles' Creed says, this I believe. We sing that song, this I believe. We know, we believe this about Jesus. And then also, not only do we have knowledge and belief about Jesus, we go and commit ourselves to him through faith by trusting him, by stepping out on what we know and what we believe, and now we step out in trust and commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, the object of our faith. 
We have a conviction and an assurance that I can't show you in a physical sense, but it's inner and it's strong, and that is where our faith rests. In what we know about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus, and what we commit ourselves to Jesus. That is faith. Okay, growing faith. So if our faith is in Jesus, and we are told to hold up our shield of faith, then how do I make my faith strong and thereby make my shield strong to fight in this battle? How do I grow this faith so that my shield can be strong? It can repel or it can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. To grow our faith, initially we must grow our knowledge of the object of our faith. Let's go back to our... um, Sorry, let's, let's think about this. Wouldn't it make complete sense that if we discovered more information about our bus driver, that it would give me more confidence in what I'm doing and who he is? If we grew in our knowledge of him. If I've seen that he's completed a hazardous driving course in alpine conditions and he can handle a bus in snow and ice, that would make you feel more comfortable about this driver in case you're in dangerous conditions. If I've seen he's completed a long-distance driving course where he's able to go long distances overnight, again, you would feel more comfortable about the bus driver. If I've seen that he's been recommended by his company for his safe driving record for more than 10 years, if you find out these things about this bus driver, again, this extra knowledge... Doesn't it serve to build our confidence or our faith in him as the driver of the bus? We just feel more comfortable about that. If it's a young fellow with an L plate and he just takes off the bus and then hops in behind the seat of the wheel, I think, oh, I'm not so sure I want to get in with this guy. But if it's someone with a record and you know all this stuff about it, it builds our confidence. It builds our assurance in what he's going to do. It's no different when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. It's absolutely no difference when it comes to Jesus and the gospel with building our faith. It says this in Romans chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We grow our faith by growing in our knowledge, by hearing of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he says and what he's going to do. As we take in every possible way of hearing Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes that word, takes that hearing and slowly but surely builds our faith, builds our trust as we discover more and more about Christ. Conversely though, if we make no effort to hear about Christ, if we sort of neglect all the ways that we could possibly um, hear about Jesus and discover more about him, if we were to do that, we would expect our faith to shrivel up and go cold because we're not making ourselves available to see Christ grow and therefore see our belief or our faith can grow. Today, as we gather here, this is a faith-growing, maturing time in Christ. We come here, we open up the Bible, we speak about Jesus. We hear about him. And that gives us more information, not so we can walk out of here as sort of more intellectual, but so the Holy Spirit can take that word and use that word to grow our faith in Christ more. And you have a choice today. You can either tune in and be stimulated in your faith or you can choose to zone out, put your hand on your head, hand on your knees and just go and think nothing of it. That's what you can do. Choice is yours. We grow in our faith by learning more about Jesus and growing in the knowledge of him and that grows our faith. Okay, let's pull this together as we think about faith, as we think about growing in our faith 
and think about how this shield of faith then works when it comes to uh, spiritual warfare as Satan would throw these fiery darts at us. How does the shield of faith work that's given to us? How does it operate? How do we use it? Let's look at our verse again here at verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let's ask ourselves here, what is the devil doing? What is the evil one doing here in this passage? We're told that he's shooting at us flaming darts. Um, We didn't quite have it there with uh, Kirk's demonstration, but uh, in Roman times, that's often what they would do in these wars. They would actually light up these arrows um, with pitch or bitumen on them and they would light them up and shoot them off and they'd just go flaming through the air and then land in these shields and hopefully if the shield wasn't fireproof, the shield would ignite and nobody likes a fire so they'd all drop their shields and run and then they're exposed. It's these flaming darts here that the enemy is, we're told, is shooting at us. But what are these flaming darts? We're not thinking of physical arrows being shot at us that are lit up, not at all. These flaming darts here of the enemy we know to be lies and deceptions and wicked schemes. We've already seen uh, weeks prior to this, this is what he lives in, this is what he deals in, is selling lies into our lives and trying to get us to believe these lies and then to crush our faith and to turn our backs upon God. This is the work of Satan with every single person in the world. How does that work in our lives then? How does these lies try and enter in and how does he try and then work in a situation as a word to, to pull back his bow and to allow this flaming dart to, as it were, spiritually land in our hearts. Perhaps it's something like this. Perhaps you go onto Facebook and you see somebody's message to you. At the end of a really long messaging conversation, you receive this last message. Anyway, what would you know? You've never been interested in my life. And that sort of is the last message you see on the Facebook messaging. And you thought, That's a bit abrupt. As you read it, they seem a bit insensitive, a bit cold towards me as they say that. What they've said really cuts me and hurts me deeply. Anyway, what would you know? You've never been interested in my life and you're left a little bit numb for a moment as you read that message. You sort of weren't prepared for that. You're a bit shocked by it. What does the devil do here? What do these evil forces of wickedness do when that happens? I'll tell you what he does. He fires a dart. He fires a dart. And this dart can come in a number of ways. But you can be sure that the dart or the flaming arrow that Satan fires will be perfectly fitted to cause you harm or cause you destruction. He might whisper this into your ear. They've hurt you so bad this time. Just crawl up into your shell Lock yourself away from everybody and don't let anybody come into your world and hurt you again. He might just whisper that into your ear. What's he trying to do? He's trying to send us down a path of self-pity and inward focusedness. Put you on a pity party trip. Just crawl into your shell, lock yourself away from the world and don't let anybody come near you. You're not going to get hurt like that again. We must hold up the shield of faith there. Or... The same situation, same conversation, another dart might come. And it could be like this because it's suited for another person. Satan may whisper this. Can you believe what they've just said? Can you believe what they've just said? You need to fight fire with fire. 
You need, need to fire a message straight back to them and give it to them both barrels this time. It's the same message, but a different dart suited for a different person. This time, Satan is trying to send us down a path of anger and bitterness. He perfectly shapes the right dart to get into our hearts and to cause this destruction. Again, we must hold up the shield of faith here. What does Jesus say? Jesus tells me to love my neighbour as I love myself and to do to others what you'd have them do to you. Jesus tells me to do good to my enemies and repay evil with good. This is what I know. This is what I know about Jesus. This is what I believe about Jesus. And this is what I'm putting my trust in is the truth that he's proclaimed to us. I hold this shield up and I will not listen to Satan's lies or deception at that particular moment. These fiery darts come in other ways. Other ways. Perhaps somebody is on a bit of a health kick. Perhaps they're eating well, getting some good exercise, and they're trimming up a little bit at the same time as they do all these things. Eating well, getting exercise, and looking good. And they may extend that just a little bit further. Perhaps you might start going to gym and you start to get your body into really good shape. You're looking really good. And then one day in front of the mirror, you look at yourself and you think, looking pretty okay at the moment. Looking pretty okay. I'm not talking about myself, (laughs) but I'm pulling you in though, aren't I? Looking pretty okay. And you may even take it a bit further. You may even take a selfie or two and just post it up online. Look at me. Look at how well I'm looking. And then on another day, after a really good workout at the gym, you check yourself out again in the mirror. And then you think about your husband or your wife at that time. And you say to yourself, why can't they get themselves together and start to look as good as me? Why are they so slack and they're not having a go? That thought just rolls around in your mind. What does Satan do at that particular moment? He seizes that opportunity. He seizes that opportunity. He pulls out his dart and he dips it into petrol. He lights that dart up and he pulls back the bow and he aims it straight at your heart. He aims it straight at your heart. And he says this, You deserve a better wife than what you've got now. You deserve a better husband than what you've got now. You've worked so hard to get yourself in shape, you deserve another man or another woman, someone better than the one you've got now. And this fiery dart comes flying at you. It comes flying at you. And if it's allowed to make contact with a burning lust inside of you, you will have a raging inferno in your hands. It'll connect directly with that burning lust And it will ignite if you're not protecting yourself against that. Satan is setting up a scheme to destroy your marriage, to crush your faith and to ruin your soul. He pulls back the bow and he fires that straight at you. More fiery darts come from Satan. It could be like this. Maybe you're battling a long-term illness. Perhaps you've been struggling with this condition for months or even years. Countless doctors, countless specialists, more tests, more scans, more trips to Melbourne and more 
disappointing results. You or I pin our hopes on the next cure we see advertised. We are really hoping this is the one that will take my sickness away. And again, it doesn't deliver the results we long for or we hope for. And then, along comes Satan. He sees his opportunity. He readies his dart, he pulls back his bow, and he fires it straight at our heart. And he says this, you see, God doesn't love you. He hasn't healed you, you see. He hasn't taken away this illness because you're not worthy enough for God. You haven't got enough faith and you never will have enough faith. And if you really think about it, God is so mean, isn't he? He would rather see you suffer in this illness than take it away from you. That's the dart he fires straight at our heart. Again, to take our eyes off Christ and to begin to doubt God. There's a million fiery darts out there that Satan has. Heaps and heaps and heaps, and they're all perfectly fitted, unfortunately, for every occasion in life for us. He knows just how to connect with the weak points in our lives and to ignite them within us so that it sets off a fire. He wants us to doubt and to mistrust God. He wants us to believe that God's ways aren't best for us and we need to take matters into our own hands from now on. Satan is plotting and planning all the time on how he can burn down our faith. That's his whole desire here. But it's here, precisely in the heat of the battle, that we've got to build and bolster our shield of faith to repel these attacks as they come in. As he sends these fiery darts coming, we've got to hold up the shield to repel them. Paul says here in this verse, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in every attack that may come to us, in every circumstance, cling to this faith that God has given to us and bolster it. Build it. Make it strong. Hold the shield up. We've got to know who Jesus is. We've got to believe who Jesus is. And we've got to trust Jesus in every circumstance, every situation, when every fiery dart comes our way. And here's what our faith in the gospel does with these fiery darts when Satan pulls his bow and fires them at us. If our faith is strong, it says there, it extinguishes those flames. It puts them out. You won't stop them coming. They'll land. But if your faith is strong and your faith is out there in the, in the aspect of the shield, it will snuff them out. It's like pouring a, a bucket of cold water upon them as soon as it lands upon you. Satan sends his lie or deception or his wicked scheme and immediately we raise up our shield of faith. We have it in place. It's in Christ. And this truth that we know about Jesus, this truth that we know about the gospel snuffs out that flame immediately. Jesus has graciously given me a husband or a wife and that I'm covenanted to to be with for the rest of my days till death do us part. And that is what's best for me. The empty promises of Satan thinking I deserve something better will only lead to destruction and death. Truly, I don't deserve anything better. God's given me what I need. Or... Jesus has promised that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And that includes sickness. Sickness doesn't separate me from the love of Christ. I may not understand what's happening at the moment because it's going on for so long, but I know that God's love is still for me even while I'm sick and struggling in that illness. 
That's the shield of faith we hold up when the lies of Satan come to try and cause us doubt and to go. And we've got to remember also that this faith lives in the realm of the unseen. It lives in the realm of the unseen. Satan is always dealing with the seen or the temporal. He's trying to get us to fix ourselves on now and the circumstances we're currently in and the things that we can see to try and make ourselves better in that sense. But the faith that we have uh, lives in the unseen. That's why it's faith, because we don't see it. Romans 8, 24, 25 tells us that. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in, with patience. If I'm hoping for a green chair and I can see it, well, I've already got it, haven't I? It's there. I can sit on it. But if I'm looking for ultimate deliverance, which I will ultimately get in Christ at the end of my days upon this earth, I'm waiting for it in faith. I'm waiting for it in hope. It's coming, but I haven't not yet uh, apprehended or seen it at this stage. That's why we need to pay careful attention in building up our faith because in this physical world, we are so dominated by the physical things around about us. They're the things that seem to speak so loudly into our lives as what's here and now. But our faith is the unseen looking to the eternal. And we've got to get hold of that to, to get our focus on this uh, on the unseen in our lives. And that's a challenge when you think about how can I focus on something that's unseen? That's the nature of faith, the spiritual aspect of it there. Our faith needs to be carefully built up. Our faith needs to be built up in Christ so that we keep feeding our thoughts on him and keep filling up and hearing about Jesus and the gospel because this keeps our minds being renewed and our minds being stronger in this faith that we're called to. The Holy Spirit takes the hearing of Jesus within us and he grows faith in our lives so that we know Jesus more, we believe Jesus more and we trust Jesus more. This this helps us to focus on the unseen. And we've got to believe that through this faith that Jesus brings absolute victory, tremendous victory in our lives. Battles can be long, battles can be hard, we can get some scars from the battles, but we can receive victory in these battles and Jesus gives us this tremendous victory. Listen to these guys here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. As you'll know, it was the great faith chapter of the Bible. Uh, verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail to, for me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness through faith, became mighty in war through faith, put foreign armies to flight through faith. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. I would encourage you to go home and read Hebrews chapter 11 today. It was all by faith. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. That's what they lived in. But that's what carried them to actually, uh, in that last part there, refusing to accept, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Some of these people, like many are today around the world, they're told to recant Christ, turn their back on Christ, so they'll keep their life in uh, martyrs for Christ. That's happening today. These people say, no, I can see something that is so strong and so glorious and so powerful in Christ, I'm willing to give my life up here now. That's that inner faith, that inner conviction, that inner resolve. 
refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. That's the faith that the Holy Spirit desires to build into every one of us who is following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And that's the faith that he will use with us to help overcome Satan and all of his fiery darts, all of his flaming arrows. I'd suggest you as well, in holding this shield up, if you're in this battle, if you're in this battle, you know, it would be a great help maybe to phone or text a friend if you're in that battle today. If you feel your faith is weak and you're trying to focus on Christ and that's what you should do, I would supplement that as well by ringing somebody up and say, hey, I am really struggling today with this battle. I'm really struggling with it, the challenge that I'm facing. Maybe even drive across and meet somebody face to face, a good trusted friend. Spend some time praying together to also enhance our faith here um, to hold this shield up. It's challenging that we live in. It's because Satan's lies um, are bombarding us all the time. All the time. And we've got to ask ourselves, what are we trying to use to fend off his attacks? Are we relying on our own resources? Or are we taking hold of what Christ has given us through this spiritual armour? How are we trying to extinguish these fiery darts? Only one way, but holding up this shield of faith and trusting in Jesus Christ. We're about to pray now as we close off our talk before John comes up. But here's something I would like us to do. If you're struggling today in, in, uh, in your battle, if you're struggling today um, in the sense of, I just feel like I'm in one of those seasons where there's intense uh, arrows and darts coming from Satan. If that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand. I'd love for you to raise your hand if you want to. And what I'll do is I'm going to ask somebody who's near you or beside you just to place their hand upon you. Because we want to sort of get personal ministry happening here at Exchange as well. If someone today is struggling and you feel like I'm just in the heat of this battle and there's arrow after arrow after arrow coming at me, if you feel today, raise your hand and somebody will just keep their eyes open around you and they'll see that hand and they'll place their hand upon you just to minister to you as I close in prayer now as we finish this. So if you want to do that, put your hand up as we do that. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you today just to, again to thank you for the powerful truth that is for us in Ephesians chapter 6. God, we thank you for this spiritual armour. We thank you today, God, that you have equipped us to be able to withstand Satan and all of his lies in this battle. And Father, today as we think about uh, the shield of faith, I pray. I pray that you would give us fresh and renewed desires to grow our faith in Christ and to just experience that victory we do experience as we put our trust in him and hold that shield up. And when those lies and those deceptions and those wicked schemes come in to crush us, to destroy us, God, you'd help us to just cling to that shield of faith, to hold up the truth of who Christ is, to overcome those doubts, to overcome all those lies. Lord, today for those who are struggling, perhaps in a really difficult season, God, it feels like one of those times when it's just arrow after arrow. I pray, Lord, for those ones that you would give them extra special strength today. Maybe doubt is flooding their heart, Lord. Maybe unbelief is trying to wedge its way into their heart. I pray again, God, that you would just come by your spirit with the word of your truth and just begin to reveal uh, the beauty of Christ again, the reality of Christ again.
and to bolster our faith today, I pray. And that we would use this, Lord, to honour and to glorify you. Father, today I do ask and I do pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, uh, John.